Drive Time on RTE Radio 1, sponsored by Zurich. When investment performance matters, make sure your savings are with Zurich. Visit zurich.ie to find out more. Now, with only two years left in Ireland's first carbon budget, the Climate Change Advisory Council has come out today to voice some concern. They say that despite progress in certain sectors, it's unlikely that the targets of that budget will be met. I'm joined on the line now by Mary Donnelly, who's chairperson of the uh, Advisory Council. You're very welcome, uh, Mary Donnelly, to the programme. Thank you very much indeed, Cormac. You're Good concerned. Evening. Yes, we are concerned because uh, we had basically 295 million tonnes of credits to spend. We're spending them too fast. And the likelihood is that we're going to have to reach into the second carbon budget, borrow from it in order to complete the first cycle. And that's going to make the second carbon budget, which is already tough, even more difficult to achieve. Why do you think that's happening? Well, we have been slower to, shall we say, turn the ship than we had hoped. Uh, Of course, it takes time to introduce change. Uh, And in our first year of carbon budget, we really didn't see any decline in our emissions. Now, we have started to see a a, a decline, small, but nonetheless in the right direction across most of the sectors. So agriculture, enterprise, electricity, buildings, uh, unfortunately not in transport yet. But the, the rate at which we're reducing emissions and the speed at which we're doing it is not enough to stay within the carbon budget. Okay, so can that's I pick you really up on, the concern. Can I pick up on transport? It's almost like a report card is uh, on the government's uh, efforts and the various sectors' efforts. Why aren't we seeing a decline in transport? So on transport, we are... Uh, oh, it's a combination of a whole series of things. So we are still um, have very high levels of passenger kilometres Uh, in Ireland, so people are still using cars for getting around. Part of the reason for that is that our public transport system has not been sufficiently developed and is not sufficiently available for people at at both uh, an accessible and an affordable rate. And that's a process that is being addressed but not fast enough and the rollout is not quick enough. And therefore, passenger uh, emissions have not been declining. Could could Uh, the public transport system ever be accelerated uh, quickly enough within this carbon budget time frame in order to meet the targets in this sector, do you think? Yes, it could. Uh, it, the short term is basically to fund, uh, it would have to be buses because as you know, rail, be it uh, Lewis or Dart or indeed the Metrolink, takes a lot longer, but the short term solution can be delivered through buses and the availability of affordable, cost-effective and efficient buses for the population. Okay, and who's responsible ultimately for for not achieving that then? Well, it's ultimately the government's policy uh, and it's then it's down to the, the transport agencies in Ireland. Uh, you know, it takes a little bit of time certainly to get buses and especially to get electric buses and then to charge them, to make them available, to have the drivers that are there. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a question of... We have a, a, a target. We know what it is we need to achieve. Okay. We need to plan the process and then implement it efficiently. Oh, okay, so transport is falling down. Where else are we falling down, in your opinion? Where could the rate of progress be a lot better? There is one area specifically, and of course it is a, a double-edged sword here in the Irish situation, and that is with regard to emissions from cement. Uh, those emissions are going up. 
Part of the reason, of course, is because we have a housing shortage and therefore we're building more houses, which is logical and, and, and we understand that. But the council has been calling on the government to adjust the building regulations to allow for and indeed even encourage greater use of timber in the construction of houses and homes. And if I just give you a small illustration, mm -hmm. in Scotland, similar climate to ourselves, 80% of their construction is coming through using timber. In Ireland, we're at about 40%. Okay. And, you know, we grow the timber. It's a home industry. It's very efficient. It's uh, moderately cheaper. So what we're saying is adjust the building regulations and the construction practices to use more timber where we can uh, have and, a better that, embodied that would, carbon. would be far more climate friendly. Did you get a response from government on that? We're looking forward to improvements in the regulations. Did you get a response from them? Not fast enough, no. Did you get any response? Uh, not enough, yes. Why do you think we that is? We have put this in our recommendations yeah. now for two years mm -hmm. and uh, there is an element of surprise that recommendations are not being acted on quickly enough. From the council's point of view? Exactly. Okay. And you sent those submissions, just to be absolutely clear, to the Department of Housing, is that right? We, well, we send it to the government, of course, but we also have direct interaction on a routine basis with each of the government departments, including housing. OK, so transport were falling down, housing were falling down in terms of what you've just mentioned there. Where else the are construction. we... Uh, uh, construction. Where else are we significantly falling down on, in your opinion? Well, it's, it's not so much that we're falling down. We are making good progress mm -hmm. in a couple of areas. And, of course, part of the message today is that when we put our minds to it, we can achieve... So we have achieved emissions reductions in, for example, the electricity space. So the rollout of wind and solar farms allows us to use renewable electricity, which is our own, which is better for the climate and, of course, better for our pockets because it's cheaper. We've also seen improvements, for example, in manufacturing industry. Our you know, industrial output is growing, but it has successfully decoupled emissions growth from economic growth. And that's a very, really, very positive issue that we can see. And of course, in terms of retrofit of houses, that is being rolled out quite successfully. We would wish to see, though, a greater rollout of decarbonised heating, for example, in the form of heat pumps. Mm -hmm. And, you know, would call on the government to look at the policies that are in place for the support of the installation of heat pumps in existing houses in the country. Okay, so it was significant uh, progress on wind and solar farms and, and farming agriculture and uh, retrofitting and so on. The reason I'm putting a focus, and I want your opinion on um, the, the areas where we are falling down, you correct me if I'm wrong, Mary Donnelly, if we don't achieve these targets in the first, um, the, the carbon budget timeframe that we have now, all sectors will have to do more, will they, in the next one? Oh, absolutely, yes. Because we have, a, we have a legally binding target of a 51% reduction in our emissions. And uh, the sectoral ceilings that you have at the moment have been done on the basis of achieving that. Mm -hmm. If one or more sectors doesn't achieve it, well, then it will fall to others to pick up the slack. And that will make it extremely difficult okay. for and those you, sectors. Would you expect in an about turn from government to step up quickly the urgency and try and achieve these targets in the next two years? Yes, that's what we're calling for. It has to be an integral part of government policy to look and to prioritise climate action in the economic development of the country. 
there are choices that can be made and we're calling on government to make the right choices that can allow us to have a sustainable society. One where, for example, we can have, you know, zero emission electricity, we can have sustainable food, we can have warm houses, a sustainable climate neutral economy that won't penalise people, but will allow us to have a much better lifestyle. Are you concerned, though, if you take, for example, the Children's Hospital or the Metrolink project, maybe which is more on, on, uh, in line of what we're talking about, at the length of time it takes capital projects to be completed in this country? For, for example, the public transport system, the upgrade needed there to get people out of cars, are you concerned at all that it takes way too long here and that we won't in any way give people alternatives to transition to greener options? Well, in fact, it is the implementation is the aspect that is causing the council most concern because the plans are are quite clear and indeed they're good plans, but it's the rate at which the plans are actually implemented that are the problem. And of course, I don't have to tell you because I think it's well known. I mean, if I just take uh, our whole planning and consultation procedures are such that our rollout of plans can be delayed for years if I, if I just take in the electricity sector, the, interconnect, the North-South Interconnector was first mooted in 2012 and we still haven't got it in place. So that kind of delay is a serious problem in terms of implementing the actions that are necessary. OK. Do you wish you were listening to your advice more, finally? <laughs> yes, I do. But I suppose that's to be expected. But I hope that our is advice is listened to because it's scientifically based, it's carefully crafted and it's delivered to the government in a way that we trust they can use that and implement the policy appropriately. OK, well, I can't wait to uh, ask all the relevant ministers um, in areas where we're not achieving our targets uh, that you've outlined there, why that is so and why they're not listening to your advice. Mary Donnelly, uh, Chair of the Climate Change Advisory Council, thank you very much indeed.